0: You and your fancy two areas of your house being warm, I swear to God. It's a luxury, it's a luxury. luxury.
1: Hello, I'm Mark. I'm Justin. We're the J-Pops. And we are Attempting Parenting in Japan. Welcome to episode 18. Today we're going to talk about what is really useful in the first few weeks of a baby's life. And we have a quiz, but first, I want to get into some updates. So for me, um, Moe had a, uh, a checkup last week. It was her right before her 35th week. So right now we're in her 35th week. And uh, at that checkup, they were trying to determine whether the baby had flipped yet, but he hasn't. So the C-section is still, still scheduled and going on uh, according to plan. The
0: deadline should be coming soon, right? For when they say definitively we're going forward with the C-section.
1: It kind of sounded like it was last the last uh, checkup. But we have another checkup next week, and that one might be the definitive checkup.
0: Okay. Uh, as they said to us, the longer it goes, the less likely it is for the baby to flip because the baby keeps growing. And once he's kind of stuck in a certain position, he's you know getting less and less opportunity to turn around. So have they told you something similar?
1: Yeah, that's kind of the uh kind of the gist of what I I got from from Moe. Like he's about 2.5, maybe 2.6 kilograms right now. Mm-hmm. And the amniotic fluid around him is getting much less. So his ability to actually turn, uh, it sounds like it's it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, that's wild. He's 2.5, did you say? Yeah, just about, I think. Maybe a little over. Our one-month-old baby is like 3.8, so they're kind Mm. of in the ballpark. That blows my mind for some reason.
1: But once they come out, they kind of go down in weight, right, before getting back up? That was my understanding.
0: They take a dip, and then after a week or so, a week or two, I can't remember, they eventually reach their birth weight again, and um, they, of course, then explode after that. They pack on the baby fats and I think the um the pace that we're supposed to be on right now or that the baby's supposed to be on is that it's good for him to gain about 30 grams a day oh okay that's pretty good through his you know just drinking that milk uh pack on about 30 grams a day but our boy at a month now I think he's gaining they said 47 grams a day so I was like I'll see your 30 I'll raise you 17, and he's uh, he's a big boy, very a so overachiever there. Yeah, he is.
1: <laughs> yeah, so to get back to the C-section plan, it's kind of different than what you guys did. It sounds like Moe has to do a PCR test on uh, on the 18th, which is six days before the scheduled C-section on the 24th. Then if that comes back negative, she'll go into the hospital on the 23rd, the day before. I think I'll drop her off in the afternoon is the plan. And then at some point, they don't have a time frame for the C-section on the 24th, but then that's when it'll happen. So it's, it's
0: pretty quick. Interesting. They give the PCR and then she goes home still for a few days. Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird too. Like she's got a whole weekend. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they'll give her another one or not i don't know yeah at our hospital they wanted uh my wife kind of under lock and key once she had passed the pcr like to Mm. verify okay we got a safe person here let's not let her out of our sight but i mean that's it's legitimate because um if you do pass Mm. a pcr test and then sit at home it's very unlikely that you'll catch corona in that time so right uh, it, it makes sense in its percentage sort of a way uh, yeah. That I think a lot of corona precautions are more about like, can we get 90% of the way there? Okay, good. You know, that's 90% yeah. safer than nothing. An
1: interesting thing, uh, though, is that Moe also scheduled to get her booster shot next week.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, so I don't know how that's going to affect anything. I know like you don't show having coronavirus after getting one of the vaccines or even the booster. But I mean, if she does have a slight fever or something, that might be an mm. issue. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, hopefully her clean PCR will override those like symptomatic indicators, like a fever and that yeah. sort of thing.
1: Uh, one cool thing about the checkup next week is that I actually get to go to this one. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess they need somebody else there to kind of go over the C-section planning for mm-hmm. when that happens. And uh, yeah, they said that I can join. I don't know why. Could have just joined all along.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to the ultrasound too. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers, I can because that would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's just like the room outside.
0: Uh, that was sort of the first thing that I got to go to as well. It was the C section debriefing, like beforehand, when they were oh, explaining okay. all the process. And one thing that they may need from you is uh, your signature on a lot of consent forms, mm. which I talked about at the time, like, you know, for especially at a university hospital, it was like to authorize them to use the video and to use a bit of the placenta for research, but then also the standard waivers and, you know, safety forms that you have to sign. Gotcha. So maybe that's why they're allowing you in this once. Just to wring that signature out of you. But yeah, that that was the first time I was like kind of put in the inner sanctum with the doctor and the nurse and looking at the computer screen and everything. I don't think I was watching an ultrasound at that time. We didn't do any of that, but um, I was at least there for... Like 25 minutes of Japanese explanation of a medical procedure. That was good. That's, yeah, super easy stuff. Yeah, super easy stuff. That was something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that's it for me
1: on the update front. What about you?
0: I think the biggest things for us, uh, a few days ago we moved from our in-laws to our house. Welcome home. Um, thank you. We have settled in to the old house here. Um, it was two freed loads of stuff in the end (laughs) um we had like our bedding which was pretty massive we had a rocking chair we had the baby's bed which is uh you have the same one it's kind of a playpen collapsible Mm. thing that also is a bed and a changing table uh i mean just loads and load bags of baby stuff it's it's unbelievable so filled up the freed twice and uh, moved everything over and now we are living in the downstairs like ldk zone of our house okay we sort of uh, even not really in the kitchen, obviously. So just the living and dining room, we slid the kotatsu, which is where we usually have dinner. Uh, it's like the little coffee table. We slid that really close to the television. And then we laid down a mattress in the middle of the living room. Uh, we pushed <laughs> our sofa back against a wall to make room for this mattress. And then in the dining room, we put the baby's bed and we still have our dining room table and we have a rocking chair there. So there's just sort wow. of an narrow path to kind of walk where you need to go. But (laughs) what limits us in this space that I've said a million times is that we have one air conditioning unit, like one wall unit, and it's in the living Mm -hmm. room. So we um, took the doors down between the living room and the the dining room and made it one big open space. they are the Japanese sliding doors. So it really becomes one massive room and um, it's worked out really well. Um, I would say as advice to people who find themselves needing to do something like this, the air conditioning unit really dries out the air. So we also have a um, humidifier that is Mm. on the kitchen table now, and you have to position it so that the baby's bed is not catching any direct hot air out of the air conditioner because you don't want to like totally dry him out, you know, in the middle of the night. That seems like a recipe for disaster. So we tucked him into the dining room out of the path of the air conditioner, put the humidifier on the other side of him, So hopefully that's balancing things out. And Hmm. he survived the first night, uh, which was a very cold and icy one. I went out early in the morning the next day, like 6 a.m. or so, and there Hmm. was ice all over everything. And it must have been, you know, negative one, negative two here in Celsius. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And uh, if he made it through that, then, you know, it's now it's practically spring. So he's gotten through the Hmm. worst of it. And uh, I was glad because that's the big hassle at our place is the temperature. Right. But we've got everything set up now, and I guess we can live this way until nice. the spring. Maybe then we'll go upstairs for a couple of months until it becomes too hot in the summer, and <laughs> we'll come back down here. Maybe in the fall, we'll go back upstairs. And by next winter, this house should be a pile of rubble that's being carted off to a dump somewhere, so we won't have to worry about it then.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you guys should be in a new place by then,
0: hopefully. Yeah, f- <laughs> fingers crossed, but who knows?
1: I want to go back a little bit yeah. now that you've had some practical use out of that freed. Yeah. Do you still think it's as great a car as it, as you thought before,
0: man, we're going to address this later in terms of like useful things for a baby and totally unuseful things for a baby. The Freed is top of my list for useful things <laughs> for a baby. I love okay, the great. freed, the Honda freed more and more <laughs> yeah. every day, not a paid advertisement. But I love the Honda Freed and particularly the seating arrangement we have, which is two, 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 right? Like uh, two seats in the front, two in the middle, two in the back, because they also make a version that's a two, three, two. But when you've got a row of three in the middle, it means there's no aisle to pass through into the back. Mm. And uh, I thought that seems like a pain because your baby's going to be in that second row. And then if you have like your grandma in the back and she needs to get up and help the baby with something like as you're you know, on the road, it's just so much better if she can come through that aisle. And uh, just another great aspect of it today, we were, uh, (laughs) we had to go to the hospital for a checkup. And on the way back, the checkup, by the way, took like three hours to get through all the steps of what we needed to get through. And three hours is like a window between feedings. So you've definitely got a hungry baby at the end of it. And we were driving back and the baby's kind of going wild and we're still 20 minutes away from home. So we pulled over into a convenience store parking lot to just get a session of breastfeeding done, you know, Mm -hmm. on the road. And uh, the freed, first of all, tinted windows all through the back. Can't see anything that's going on in the back. So perfect for breastfeeding. And then my wife was on one side of the car that was catching a lot of sunlight and was really actually hot, even though it's still Mm -hmm. just March. But she had like the sunbeams coming in right on her and the baby. So then... She just went right back in the aisle, got into the back row on the opposite side of the car, and it was nice and cozy. She just had to stand up, take two steps, and she was you know, totally fine after that. Hmm. So I, I was sitting in the front seat just loving the Freed the whole time. <laughs> just like, man, this is a great car. It's wonderful.
1: I, I kind of expected this.
0: Response. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just the way in the move, just the way it held everything. And um, I don't know. Our friend, uh, soul, our mutual friend, he commented that it looks so compact from the outside and then you get in and it feels so spacious. It's Mm. just like, it's just an amazing vehicle. Just can't say enough about the freedom.
1: (laughs) And that's coming from, uh, he's, he's relatively tall, so he needs some, some headroom too. So
0: yeah, it's, um, man, it's well-designed. I think Honda has a nice reputation for interiors. That's what I've heard. Uh, they've always got a well-designed interior. And, um, well, it is, it's checking all the boxes. Such a great car. Excellent. Glad to hear it. No regrets on that thing. One of the biggest purchases of my life, but, um, no regrets <laughs> at all. Uh, and the other thing I should say update wise is that we did have that appointment today. It was the one month checkup. Uh, the baby is now one month and one day old. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, boy. Uh, the, um, <laughs> The one month checkup happened and they went through their list of things. I'm not really privy to it because I was sitting in the hallway the entire time. Uh. But at the end, um, it was not only for the baby, but also for my wife. Yeah, they did the blood work on my wife. They did a regular exam, health checkup. They did um, Mm. health checkup for the baby, weighed him, measured his progress. uh, And everything was fine. It was like literally everything that they checked. They were like, it's looking good. That's great. Yeah, that's really wonderful. I mean, not even the tiniest thing. Like, there could be any little problem that pops up that's even minor, you know, and we didn't even have those. So I'm feeling very fortunate. Yeah. I feel like I've dodged about a thousand bullets of sort of things to worry about. But that's all I've got for updates. Do you want to get into those segments? Yeah, let's do it. So for the first
1: segment i kind of wanted to pick your brain since you're well into a month of having a live baby around you now yes and just kind of get a sense for like what items and what things that you found like essential when the baby was born or things that you maybe didn't need and then like for my own curiosity like japanese baby clothes and like their guidelines here are a little confusing for me So, like, what kind of system has worked best for you?
0: That's a great question. And uh, since you mentioned clothes, I'll start with the clothes. I hadn't thought about this before. But if you picture Western baby clothes, they're usually some snaps like down around the diaper area so it's like one long piece with a couple of sleeves you put the baby's head through the whole thing pull his arms into the sleeves pull it all down and then snap around his diaper and the japanese version of that is way more similar to a japanese sort of robe like a Mm. uh, maybe a yukata or something where you just drape one side of the robe over tie it drape the other side of the robe over and tie that one too and the japanese way is far superior to the Western way of handling the clothes because it cuts out the step of putting a baby's floppy head through the neck hole of some like tiny infant garment (laughs) and then trying to pull the whole thing down his little body. When, if you pull on it, he just slides along with it and you've got to like get under there and like wrestle the clothes around him. But the, uh, the Japanese way is just this robe that lays open on the table. You lay the baby Hmm. into the robe, put his arms through the sleeves tie it up usually it's a matter of three ties maybe four ties and you're Hmm. done it does seem pretty easy yeah it's uh also there's really easy access to the diaper because the ropes can be quite long and go down to the feet and then you just flip them up and there Mm -hmm. you've got the diaper rather than unsnapping this and that and then making sure the diaper is tucked up high enough to then re-snap them at the end um, right. it's just a lot more free and then you almost never in the winter anyway you almost never dress your baby in it's one little garment and then just call it a good job you're always going to put them into something else which is like a heavier sort of outer garment yeah
1: that's kind of my understanding they have like two or three layers on in baby clothes here where mm-hmm. like you put that little like jimbe on him tie it up and then you put another one over that it's almost like a sack.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be the standard. There's like that little gym style or yukata style robe that's quite thin like almost a t-shirt sort mm. of material. And then there might be one that's a slightly more quilted version that goes outside of that that's also like a robe or a, a jimbei or something. And oh, okay. uh, That could be good enough, but maybe if it's a bit warmer outside, but if it's really cold outside and you have a cold house, then you'll probably want to drop them into like one of those more fluffy, like teddy bear looking things. It's like got a Mm. hood with the ears on it and and that sort of thing. Right. So we're pretty much always putting our kid in one of those as well, uh, just to make sure he's nice and warm. And um, then you don't worry so much about like, uh, well, his robe doesn't actually have any legs on it or something. Maybe his little legs are cold, but he won't be because you're going to put him in something heavier anyway. Right.
1: At that point, it's basically like a mitten and mittens are far superior to actual gloves because everything's getting body heat. So yeah,
0: yeah. You're like the baby's yeah making use of his own body heat then. So nice. if you have the ability to control the clothes, like we have some nice clothes from the US as well that are very cute and we like the variety to put Mm. them in the US style with the snaps and like the more bodysuit sort of thing but then the the Japanese style is just way easier to handle I appreciate both I like having both and the American ones are cute if I were buying for sheer ease of use I would just buy like six or seven sets of the Japanese style and then he Mm. would be in and out all day long with very little hassle and little like We'll call it baby trauma, but like getting his head (laughs) through the neck hole, it's going to make the baby cry because he's going to be frustrated and his face is going to have to be wrapped in cloth for a few seconds while you try and sort it out. And then
1: wrangling his hands through the holes. Yeah.
0: And he'll get a bit fussy no matter what. And a baby being fussy is like, that's the low point of the baby's day, you know? So if you (laughs) want to just have a nice smooth change, then slap him into a Japanese robe and he'll be good. Gotcha. In terms of clothes, that's the recommendation. Um, A couple of other things. Uh, One is the bed that you also have. We got the Mm. identical um, playpen slash baby bed slash changing station. Right. Particularly for a Japanese house, which can often be quite narrow. It's I feel like getting a a version of that that's like three in one is superior Mm. to having the different stations that you'll need. We got one. I don't want to really rep the brand. I don't know if it's reputable or high quality or anything, but mine is called Brotish. Yes. Yeah, so. The word British, but with an O, Brotish. I don't know. I don't know if it's about lads or what's going on here, but we got the Brotish. Brotish. <laughs> yeah. Brotish. But it's so handy, and the baby is going to sleep more than half of the day. So he's going to spend more than half of his day in there anyway. And then mm. when he's not sleeping, he's going to need a changing. So, oh, it's ha- it's working there too. And there's a little clippy sort of add-on thing that you put on the end of it that holds diapers, it holds the baby wipes, it holds cloths mm. for feeding. It's got a little drink holder for the bottle. Oh, I thought that was for
1: I thought that was for beer.
0: I did put a beer in there. I did <laughs> <laughs> when I put it together the first time. I let the beer rest in there. It worked it perfectly. So we'll say it's for bottles of anything. Could nice. it be a Corona. Um, <laughs> It's just a like one-stop shop for everything you have to do with the baby. Mm. And as time goes by, you take out the platform in the middle and it becomes a playpen. So I feel like it'll just be central to your life for a couple of years at least. Yeah. And I highly recommend that. Have you guys
1: put like a mat down or anything to kind of add some cushioning between that
0: platform that they have for the baby to sleep on? It comes with that middle platform that is padded a bit. Right. Uh, but I think that's pretty superficial. Um, and yeah. what we use is the mattress that you would have in a crib, which is really only a couple of inches thick and it's quite a firm mattress too, but, um, mm. it's more substantial than what you're going to get in the playpen that we have. So okay. we lay that and it sits perfectly in the, um, the brodish playpen. So that works out really mm. well. And then of course, as you've probably heard, as everybody says, babies just need, uh, Very firm mattress and a fitted sheets, and that's all that should be in the bed, Um, because you don't want them, you know, like rolling into a cloth that then they can't, you know, get out of, and they may not be able to breathe. Or even for a pillow, Um, I've read it that uh, I've read it put somewhere that you shouldn't have a pillow in with a kid for the first couple of years, even Um, years. Yeah, you just want to cut out all the opportunity for them to accidentally start strangling themselves in the middle of the night. Wow, okay. so um they say if if the temperature allows it, well, even if the temperature is no good, then you can still bundle the baby up in warm enough clothes and then lay that bundled baby onto the bare uh, sort of like fitted sheet mattress.
1: So you guys aren't using the uh, I guess it's like a bed in a bed. It's more like a it's got like this kind of rounded shaped pillow that goes around the baby, and then it's just a flat bottom. And the baby kind of rests in there, which is supposed to prevent them from rolling over onto their onto their front and then suffocating that way.
0: Yeah, well, for the first however many months, I'm not sure, but the baby can't roll over anyway. Um, it's like okay. a skill that the baby doesn't have yet. So our mm-hmm. baby at a month and a day, he has no chance of rolling over. Like his arms and legs are just so wild. It's like when you see oh. a turtle on its back or something, just sort of like kicking randomly. But um, he can't hmm. – uh, he's never even made a motion toward, like, rolling over. So, yeah, we don't really have to worry about that. Uh, there are some sort of swaddles that we have that have a head portion that's built into the swaddle. It's essentially like a glorified hmm. blanket. But then there is a bit of a, a bulked-up padded region that makes, like, a, a sort of halo around the head that um, – okay. I don't know if it really keeps their head in a certain position because you can keep your head still and then just turn it to the right, turn it to the left. So, you Mm. know, sometimes you want your baby to be looking this way and he just turns his head the other way, no matter what you try to do to him, to (laughs) like, you know, prop his head up a certain way, um, do the opposite out of spite. Um, (laughs) but we do have a quite heavy duvet cover in there too, that we use only sometimes that you know, if we're afraid that it is truly freezing outside and, and we're worried about it, but the the is so heavy, and then the baby's so swaddled up anyway that he mm. would never be able to. He couldn't grab it if he wanted to, but his arms are locked in the swaddle anyway, and it's just like an extra uh, layer gotcha. that goes on top of him for the extreme cold. So uh yeah, I really recommend the all in one. I've even heard from my family members who've had kids that, you know, they sort of made the checklist of things to buy for the baby, which is like, oh, I need mm. a changing table, need the crib, need the playmat, and all this stuff. And then they soon realized, well, we're never taking him to the changing table to change him. We're just changing right. him on the playmat where he happens to be anyway. So why do we have this whole piece of furniture that we've never really used? So right. I would really recommend to do an all-in-one any chance that you can with the baby stuff, particularly because it's only ever good for a few months or a year, maybe two years at the most, and then you're right. moving on from it anyway. So um, even if it lacks one or two accessories or it doesn't have drawers or whatever it is, that whatever the thing is you're giving up, you're only giving it up in the short term and you can make it work until you get it out of there. And in the meantime, sure. it's saving you a lot of space.
1: In our case, I think... We have that one, which is going to be kind of our downstairs sleeping, changing area. And then we have another crib that we got for upstairs in the master bedroom because we're going to have them in there for, I think, six to nine months is the plan. Mm -hmm. Our room is a little warmer. We can warm our room, so we'll continue to sleep in there. Yeah. So we have kind of the two bed system going right now,
0: or we will. You and your fancy two areas of your house being warm. (laughs) I swear to God. (laughs) It's a luxury. It's It's a luxury. luxury. (laughs) Uh, Another really useful thing has been the diaper pail that we have. And maybe this is common the world over now, but you know, the last diaper pail that I seriously interacted with was when my uh, youngest sister was a baby, which is, you know, now 20 years ago. Mm. And I remember in those days, a diaper pail was just a pail and it had like some sort of lid that would close down to keep like the smell from getting out. Uh, But now, I don't know. Do you guys have a diaper pail already? We've been looking at one, but I'm curious to hear your recommendation. We got one. The brand name is Sangenic or Sangenic maybe. Oh, no, we haven't looked at that. Oh, yeah. I don't know where we got this actually, but it showed up one day and... Uh, this might be the standard on diaper pails now. I'm not really sure, but the trash bag that you use comes in like this sort of canister and oh. it's a long tube. Yeah. And I'm talking about like, I don't know, 10 meters of tube, like 20 yeah. meters of tube or something. And then it's so hard to explain, but you sort of fold the tube, you tie the tube off at one end and then you push it down into the canister and then every time you put a diaper in you shove it in a bit and then you grab a knob and do a 360 with the knob circle around like the the opening right and that twists the bag off so that then each segment of the bag has one diaper in it and it's twisted at the top and bottom and then those twisted segments keep like getting pushed down into the diaper pail as you pile up the next diaper and hmm. literally when you finish, when you fill up the diaper pail, you pick up one end of it and the other end. And it's like a sausage link, like, you know, but it's probably, I, I can hold up one end of it in my right hand, one end of it in my left hand, and it drapes all the way down to the floor. And it's do just this jump ropes and yeah, do some, some very <laughs> high risk jump roping, <laughs> very high risk. jump roping. And, uh, you've, yeah, you've got like this long chain of diapers and then you put gotcha. those in a regular trash bag and get rid of them. And then gotcha. the, the little canister that holds the the trash bag itself is still not done. You can do that a couple of times with the one mm. canister. They are a bit expensive. Uh, I think they run, we get them used, not used obviously, but we find them <laughs> secondhand on Mercari, somebody who uh, overstocked and doesn't need it anymore, whatever. And we'll pay like 10 or 15 bucks per canister. Um, yeah, but, uh, it, it goes for a while. That's about the same as the one we're looking
1: at. I think it's called Poitech or something.
0: Yes, it, I know that name, Poitech. And Poitech might actually make the, I think cartridge is the word that they use, like the yeah. the bag holding cartridge. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we are Poitech people. Well, that's good to hear then. Yeah, it, to me, it was like such an ingenious idea of like, you know, basically yeah. twisting off every individual diaper in plastic so that you don't have to worry too much about the smell getting out.
1: Yeah. I was just talking to another friend who said when they were dealing with diapers and stuff, they would put each diaper into a separate plastic bag, tie that off, then throw that into the garbage. Hmm. And I think you're using about the same amount of plastic overall, but that just seems like more of a hassle. You got you got extra steps you don't need. The pail with the twist off is, in my, in my mind, seemed like the, the way to go.
0: It really is good. And it seems like, you know, sometimes a new idea is just a gimmick, but then sometimes Mm. they have made some progress. This is one of the new ideas that's actually progress, I think. And like what you're talking about, the stack of plastic bags, that's fine. But you've got like another little resource that you need to restock all the time and like, oh, we're out of plastic bags. What do we do? But this one is just kind of always there. And it's a simple like one rotation to close it off and, you know, Mm. push that diaper down. Uh, so it's good. Highly recommend it. I don't know if there are other brands out there, but yeah, look for Poitech, look for Sanginic, um, and then find, you know, the type of pail that has the little twisty mechanism inside. The other very useful thing in general is just the swaddle. Um, yeah. Just any kind of like uh, thin garment that you can wrap around the baby. I would say just go to YouTube, watch a video on how to swaddle a baby and somebody hmm. will show you how to appropriately pin the arms down and sort of you know, tuck everything in so that the baby can't really move too much. I've read that the majority of babies take to swaddling, but some babies just really hate it for whatever reason. They're just not comfortable Hmm. and those babies will fight you and they'll become even more fussy with the swaddle. But odds are better that your baby's going to fall in line and love it and feel really comforted and then chill out.
1: Yeah, I was curious how often you guys used it and what part of the day like you're swaddling him
0: one of my friends messaged me recommending the swaddle just the other day. And he said that it'll buy you anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes of extra sleep because like, (laughs) that's how much more quickly your child will go to sleep or that's how much longer your child will sleep. um, If he feels like comforted in the swaddle. Uh, The only thing to be somewhat wary of is like, you don't want to keep the baby in the swaddle 24 hours a day because at some point, you know, you, you want your kid to, practices motor skills and you know play with them right. and you know help them move around. So we try not to make it a constant thing. Mm. I think that's it's honestly a lot of what holding is about. When a kid mm. wants to be held all of the time, it's not about like your connection or your bonding or whatever. It's just about the kid feels too wide open and then if you hold him, you're kind of compressing him a bit. And he feels more comforted and more like the womb, you know, right, uh, or more secure or something. And then the swaddle kind of gives him that from the very beginning, hmm. so the kid can just always feel a bit better. So it just, uh, you know, it just depends. I would say we use the swaddle not even half the time, much less than half the time, but okay. um, it uh, it helps the baby feel Still better. I think really useful. Yeah, absolutely. As for useless stuff. It's going to come in handy eventually. Like we didn't really overbuy, so we don't have too much extra stuff hanging around. But one thing that hasn't been useful yet as of a month, it's obviously like things that are meant to entertain the baby. Because Mm. the baby is not cognizant of anything that's going on around him (laughs) and barely responds to like, noises and lights and stuff right so if it comes down to a, a mobile or like a toy or something that stuff doesn't stand a chance he's like not differentiating right. between a toy and like a you know a cloth to wipe his mouth and he doesn't know the difference between any of this stuff so um, yeah. you could have like a little stuffed animal around to take a picture or something like that but that's about as far as it's gone in terms of baby entertainment none of that comes into play until a bit later down the road yeah my understanding is that he like kids even within the first month
1: don't have a uh, proper vision yet so they can't focus
0: yeah our baby uh will really react to lights because i think that's this thing that's sort of intruding into his vision that's very mm. noticeable if there's a light source somewhere then that's where his head's going and it's probably the only thing that's you know that
1: he's aware of So he's a less active cat right now.
0: Yeah, he's a less mobile, (laughs) less active cat. So a better cat, really. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a better, much better cat. He's hypoallergenic. Um, (laughs) But like uh, he does occasionally, if you get right up in his space and you yourself are well lit, then he'll make eye contact or you can tell he's kind of studying your face a little bit. Okay. Also, I don't know how much that is meaningful to him because he'll look at you for, my wife was saying earlier, for like less than one second sometimes, and Mm. then he'll turn his head and stare off into space and hold it for like two minutes, you know, just like a long gaze at nothing at all. Just make you feel terrible. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. And then you'll try to put yourself into his little gaze and then he'll hold it again for a second and then look the other way just he <laughs> just needs to stare off into nothing
1: i wonder if it's because it's more relaxing like you know when you just let your eyes go blurry and that feels yeah. a little bit better when you guys yeah. are right there he's like oh straining straining no nope. yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it could be and i have read in a baby book um it said that there's a such thing as like overstimulation obviously mm. like imagine you have like all the toys going and you're in his face and there's music playing and all this stuff. Like his brain is really just trying to sort out the most simple of the most simple things in this world. And then you've given him like 10 stimuli all at once. And it's too much. It's like frustrating. So, um, it's probably like less is more, especially in the first couple of months. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you can notice him look at you occasionally and It's more than just a random thing, but he will kind of focus in a little bit, but it's very minimal. And, uh, there's like, especially in the first month or two, there's a lot less feedback than what you might hope for, Mm. I guess, as a new parent, I want to get in there and play with this baby and he's not having any of it. He's just, (laughs) he's a little, like a little robot that just wants milk. And that's about the long and short of it. Very sweet and very cute, but he lacks intentionality. If I had had one criticism of this boy, way too little intentionality.
1: Just not trying hard enough, dude. Mm -hmm.
0: Come on. So um, those are my useful and useless uh, items. I'll recap useful stuff. The swaddle, the new crazy uh, diaper pail, the hybrid like three-in-one changing table, bed, playpen sort of thing, and the Japanese-style clothes. All very useful. Uh, the useless nice. things so far are things like toys, uh, the mobile and entertainment items. Those have not right. come into play. No YouTube yet. No YouTube for this boy. Um, although, remember that a TV is a light source. Sorry. So anything you put on TV, the baby will be like, what's that? But it's probably because he can see a, a lit up blur in the distance. And that's right. all he's got. So if you put on a chess video, he'll intently stare at a chess video <laughs> for 20 minutes. And you'll feel like he's a genius. Um, which he may be. Who knows? Okay.
1: Yeah, need to tell. You don't know what he's picking up yet.
0: Yeah, you have no idea. All right. So segment two. Quiz time. Yeah, quiz time. This is a, a game I made up and it's called deep or high two adjectives. <laughs> okay. there, deep or high. So these are thoughts that struck me this week uh, with having the baby and are the thoughts deep or are they the thoughts of a high person? And okay. this is where your judgment. Mark Harris comes into play. I'll give Ooh, you the thoughts. Yeah. And then you deem it to be a deep thought or a high thought.
1: Okay, okay,
0: I'm game. Alright, here's the first one. This is milk related. And it's kind of insane because you have a baby that weighs like (laughs) three and a half kilograms, say. You've got babies about three and a half kilograms. Yeah. But the kid can take down like a hundred milliliter bottle, right? Okay. And so if you... Which is about a
1: hundred grams.
0: Yeah, okay. I'll trust your math on that. I don't know the equation. I mean, I guess it's one-to-one. It's pretty easy. It's a one-to-one, yeah. Okay, so, (laughs) but then if you scale that up and, say, take your three-and-a-half kilogram child and make him, like, a 70-kilogram adult, which is in the neighborhood of where I am, and then you scale up that 100-milliliter bottle, it's a two-liter.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: So then, imagine that he's doing this, like, seven times a day, (laughs) and then imagine that it's you as an adult And then, like, somebody comes into your room at, like, 11 p.m. And they're like, time for your two liter. And they, you know, (laughs) lay you down. And you have to drink a whole two liter. And then they put you to bed. And then at 2 a.m. they're like, let's get another two liter in you, boy.
1: First of all, if if adults drink that much milk, they puke. Your body forces it out of you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, like, the two liter, if it were, like, water, I think you would die. I don't know. I'm not sure. But... Yeah. If impossibly. it were water or if it were um like, you know, like Coke or something like that, fine as you would picture in a 2 liter. But yeah, then make it milk. It's like good lord. How are you Wait a minute. Do
1: I got to step back though cuz yeah. I for sure can drink 2 liters of beer.
0: Yeah, that's true. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and then every 3 hours you would sober up enough to get your next 2 liters of beer in. <laughs> so it makes sense. <laughs> it is possible. It is possible. Now that we put it in perspective. It is scientifically possible. (laughs) Anyway, so this milk conversion, is that a deep thought or is that a high thought?
1: Well, especially where we've taken it with beer. I'm going high. Okay, that's a high thought. All right.
0: (laughs) Got one high, zero deep so far. Okay, the next one's pretty simple. Uh, This child owns no shoes. (laughs) He's a hobo. He's a hobo, man. (laughs) He's like, he's like, uh, he's been around a month. And imagine somebody else who's like, yeah, man, it's been a month and I haven't had any shoes the whole time. That's crazy. Wait a minute.
1: So you're telling me you guys haven't bought any baby shoes yet?
0: We have not bought shoes yet. But okay. he has he wears socks and then a lot of the other time we're putting him into like a big bear suit or something that has little oh. feet, you know, so his legs I get tucked you. in there and it's like a very nice, heavy quilted sort of thing. So he's always warm. He's always fine, but he just doesn't need shoes and doesn't own any shoes. It just blew huh. my mind. This person has no shoes at all. That is a pretty crazy thought to think of.
1: I actually, I mean, I was already thinking about getting shoes for our kid when he comes out. Mm-hmm. I just kind of assumed you'd gotten him
0: shoes. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't gone down the road yet of getting him any shoes. Like, I but... mean, he
1: doesn't need it, obviously. He's not walking anywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. It just, um, it just struck me that there's a human being with no shoes at all, and he's fine with it. It's totally cool. Yeah. So is yeah. that idea, is that a deep idea, or is that a high idea?
1: Oh, man, this can go either way. I mean... To have the idea come to you feels like something that would come to somebody who's
0: high. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> we can call it there. It's high. We'll okay. It two highs. All right. This one is a little bit similar to the last one, but there's a human being in the house and he's never even been near a bathroom. Like think about how many times you go to the bathroom every day and mm. this kid's never even set foot in a bathroom and then throw on top of that shower room it's never entered a shower room he's yet to do it there's a lot of firsts that the kid has like we walked him around a park so it's like oh baby's first time at the park he's been in the car like i don't know a dozen times now he's taken a right. lot of car rides but he's never been in a bathroom never been in a shower room wow so where do you guys bathe him uh the sink
1: he's been in like
0: the the vanity just outside of a shower at the in-laws and here we have like an inflatable tub that sits in the kitchen sink and the kitchen is one of our heated rooms so we wouldn't dare take him to the vanity there's just no warmth over there right that um, makes sense yeah never been never been near a shower never seen a toilet in his whole life oh he's Uh, gonna be
1: blown away he's
0: gonna be blown away this whole other type of chair (laughs) in the house um
1: (laughs) Uh definitely definitely I'm going high on that one. Okay, that's 3 highs no <laughs> deeps.
0: Ooh, a little light on the deep thoughts this week. Mm.
1: I mean, they're all relatively deep if cuz I think a lot of high people they gen- generally think in a deep way. They are deep. But they yeah. but their their deep thoughts are are a little bit, you know,
0: odd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some would call them high. High. All right, this is the last one. And this is something that I stumbled upon in this month, and I call it baby POV. Hmm. So, a lot of baby stuff makes sense when you enter the baby POV. And okay. uh, one of these things is like, okay, every human being has social needs, right? You want to interact with other people. Uh, Mm -hmm. You want to have some sense of like, oh, I'm safe and hey, we're here together and everything's cool, right? Everybody wants to have that at some level. Babies are no exception. But for the baby, like think about what you do in your social setting. You might speak, Mm. but the baby can't do it. You might like uh, play a game or watch TV or something with your friends or your family, but the baby has no attention span for this stuff. And so then you've got this person with all the social needs that everybody else has but he has none of the outlets that the rest of us have. And Hmm. finally you're down to hold me. And that's all he's got. (laughs) That's the beginning and the end of his social interaction is like, come, Hmm. come get me, please. And that's all he can express. So then from your adult point of view, you think like, man, this kid always wants me to hold him This kids being needy. But from the baby's point of view, it's like, Hey man, I wish I could hang out like you and all your buddies. I wish we could watch like Rick and Morty all the seasons (laughs) like you and your friends do. I wish I could play the game. Can't do it. I'm a baby. Can't do it. So pick me up. That's all I can offer. And uh, I think when you get into the baby POV, you're like, oh, okay. It totally makes sense. Why? Uh, Mm. You know, it seems fussy, but he's just trying, you know, he's just got that instinct of like, I need somebody like, you know, everybody has that. Right. Then, The other side of baby POV, or another aspect of it, I guess, is the baby only really has, or the baby only understands like two things, and it's hunger and then just a more general discomfort. Like something's hurting me, or something's uncomfortable, or I'm really hungry. And so if you think about your entire world, everything that you know is either hunger or discomfort, then if one of those goes wrong, it's like in your life, if like half of all of the things in your life went wrong, that's how tragic it would feel to you, you know? And so when you do stuff like you change his diaper and you have cold hands, Mm -hmm. sometimes you just have cold hands and you're like, all right, let's soldier through this kid. Let's go for it. But Mm. your cold hands on a baby and the cold baby wipe and all that. And in a cold room, like, and (laughs) he's getting his diaper changed. That's a lot of discomfort for that kid to process. And it's like, for the human or for the adult equivalent, you would have to say, like, okay, I lost my job and my pet died. You know, like all these massive aspects of your life. Somebody like, hit my truck. Yeah, exactly. Half of your life is just down the tubes, and that's pretty much what you would feel like. So a country song. Yeah, exactly. Your life turns into a country song
1: for a few minutes. Okay. But okay, then that's like, a baby's life.
0: If somebody could snap their fingers and bring back your job and bring back your pets and reverse the horrible country song, which is what you're doing once you change the diaper and put his clothes back Mm. on and he's warm again and he's fine. And then he chills out and he's like, oh yeah, it is cool. I'm fine now. If somebody Mm. could snap their fingers and do that for you, you'd probably feel a lot better. you would be like, what happened? But you would Mm. feel better that everything's back now. So then I sort of try to put myself in his shoes or socks because... (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And that's the baby POV. And I really try to like empathize with him and try to yeah. get into his head as best I can as a little like like one input, one output machine that he is and yeah. try to figure out what he's thinking. So doing that, the whole idea of baby POV, is that deep or is that high?
1: I mean, it's very empathetic. So mm-hmm. I think just coming from that perspective, it is very deep.
0: Oh, we got a deep. We got a deep, ladies and gentlemen. We got
1: one. Well done.
0: Good. So to recap, we got one deep and three highs today in Deeper High. uh, Well, that's a good day. That's a good day. (laughs) (laughs) That's the score you want, I think. (laughs) All right. Well, I have a question for you if you're interested. Yeah, lay it on me. My question for you is... And um, I'll apologize for the phrasing of this. It might seem a little excessively negative or judgy or something, but I don't intend it to to be that way. (laughs) Uh, It's just how I am. It's just how I am. Uh, Do you ever worry about raising your kid with mostly Japanese cultural influence in terms of like the kids shows that he'll watch, the songs that he'll listen to and, you know, demands to be repeated a hundred times and all this sort of stuff it's all going to have mm. the Japanese sensibility from the Japanese yeah. sort of framework. And it's going to be way, way foreign compared to what you grew up with. None of the characters are over overlap. None of the songs will be the same and you right. won't identify with any of that stuff. So do you worry about the kid kind of uh, going down that road that was so different from your own?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I definitely think about this a lot. And I try to compare it to my own upbringing. Like when I was a kid, my parents had me in Pennsylvania. We grew up in Pennsylvania for a couple of years. And then I think I was four. We moved over to the West Coast into Seattle. And my mom always tried to like incorporate this idea of being like Pennsylvania Dutch is what she kind of grew up being. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't get it. Because I was from Seattle. I was a West Coast kid. I did things West Coast. I hung out and and had that culture. Mm -hmm. So the idea of having this like Pennsylvania Dutch culture and background didn't connect with me at all. And her always trying to like talk to me about it was just like something I just I never really got. Yeah. At least till and later in my life until I went back there and kind of experienced it more. And so when... I'm thinking about like things that I want to incorporate into into our kids life and the way he's going to like view the world like I'm I'm very, very conscious of the things that we're going to try to put in front of him and and how he's going to kind of perceive the culture that he's in versus the culture that we have in the house, because I think they're going to be very different. Like Mm -hmm. he's probably going to grow up with a lot of like Netflix TV shows, which may be initially anyway, um, Western. And then as he goes into school and stuff, probably get a lot more of the Japanese cultural shows and more anime and manga and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, there is concern, but it can't be helped. And I don't think it'll negative negatively affect him at all. I just think like it'll be different. And, but ultimately it'll be who he becomes.
0: That's really kid centric. You know, you're, I think it's a very mature perspective to look at it in terms of, you know, like in the same way that you developed into who you are and you don't mm. regret it. He's going to develop into who he is and he's not going to regret it. So then why would we right. regret it ourselves? Right. Um, so that's the the best way to look at it. I'm sure on the selfish end of that spectrum though. <laughs> like I just, um, I, just to vent those feelings, Uh, let's get it out yeah i feel like uh i personally have no interest in anime i've been in japan for 14 or 15 years however long it's been and i never grew up watching any anime caring about it at all never really knew what it was and Mm. so then i came here as an adult and it's like too late to suddenly develop this interest in anime that's blown by me And I never read comics as a kid. I just didn't care about comics. And then comics are such a big part of life here. And there's sort of all these things that are very important to, uh, Japanese culture that I just didn't have. And then it was sort of too late in life for me to intrinsically care about, uh, once I got exposed to it more. And then I feel like this kid will be intrinsically caring about those things. And, uh, I'm just not going to have it in me to also care about those things. And, uh, There are other things that the kid could get into. I mean, sort of, I don't know, characters that I know or TV shows that I know, not, it doesn't have to be ones that I know, but just more of the tradition that I'm used to or something. Yeah. It's likely going to be manga though. Yeah. It'll, (laughs) it'll pretty much be manga and anime and that's the way of it. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's also a little bit, uh, I guess there's a food correlation here that my whole life, I never thought like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go get some Japanese food, boy it's going to be awesome. You know, <laughs> we never had Japanese food when I was a kid. It was rural Kentucky and there were, there were no Japanese restaurants when I grew up. There's right. nothing. And so I love Mexican food. I love Italian food because it was everywhere. And I'll mm. never for the rest of my life. I don't think I'll ever sit down to a Japanese meal and then feel really deeply satisfied and happy about it at the end. You know, are you, are you a sushi eater? I'll eat anything, yeah, but it's like I'll I'll just eat it and get full. But if I sit down with Mexican food or Italian or whatever, then, you know, American food, which is never American. It's always some other (laughs) country's food. But (laughs) Italian and Mexican, especially where I grew up, then uh, I'll love it, love every second of it, feel so satisfied and be so happy. And I think I'll never have that with Japanese food. But I know the kid will. You know, he'll grow up with all these dishes that he'll like. Wait a minute, wait a
1: minute, wait a minute. You are a lover of curry.
0: I do love curry.
1: That's true. So there is some Japanese food that you, you do yeah. feel satisfied, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's one Japanese food I like, and it's Indian. Ooh. But, <laughs> it's, uh,
1: it's but it's just, the yeah. same way that you love yeah. Italian in America.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'll have to get the kid on the curry path for sure. Um, yeah, and definitely. That can, that can be the thing that we, we share. But anyway, that's just a little bit of a, like, I see all these avenues that are almost cut off to me. You know, uh, like in the in terms of like the majority of the foods and the majority of the entertainment it's stuff that I really almost border on disliking, you know, like uh, right. I just don't like the style of or don't like the, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah, I don't like the social pressures maybe that go along with having to read manga or having uh-huh. to watch anime the way that they do it here. But because, I mean, they grow up and then you'll see those guys in the konbini just standing there reading reading the manga Uh and so that's something they've done like all through their life and it's kind of this expectation that just never goes away for them so Mm -hmm. i kind of hope that doesn't stick but you know if it does maybe whatever (laughs) yeah (laughs) my uh my idea though to combat this a little bit and try to kind of balance it is to plan more trips abroad and maybe like take Mm -hmm. more time to go to the states or other countries, so they get a better balance. Because I think in Japan especially, they don't get a good balance of international culture a lot of times. So uh-huh. they just get, you know, my friends in school read manga. That's what I'm going to read. I don't see anything else.
0: Yeah, it is uh, quite homogenous here. Definitively, it's like the most, um, mm. uh, it's like a really awkward phrase to use, but racially pure country in the world in mm. terms of the, the majority race is so dominant here and the majority nationality is so dominant in this country i'm curious
1: i've always been curious like what percent would be like if you were to do dna tests on everybody like what percent would be like maybe korean chinese and like
0: indonesian nationality wise i don't know about the you know heritage wise like that but nationality wise it's 98 point something at this point is uh japanese in japan Yeah, that's quite homogenous. And then it's hard to, it's hard to break out of anything that is like sort of has dug into that majority. It's hard Mm. to really get away from that when the numbers are so overwhelming. Um, Or it's hard to adopt something that's not part of that 98 and a half.
1: I think this kind of goes back to previous conversations we've had, though, where we talk about kids growing up half. Mm -hmm. And like, you hear about some half kids who have only ever lived in Japan. They've only known Japan and yet Japanese people sometimes will see them and say guy, mm-hmm. And so maybe they won't have that feeling so much because maybe their perception of who they are won't be so ingrained.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's definitely a double-edged sword in that way that yeah. there's a majority culture for them to partake in, but then a majority culture that might not see that particular child as a full part of it, really. Right. Yeah. It's, that's probably one of the ultimate questions about raising the mixed child here. Um, but, uh, mm. as far as your own connection with the kid, I guess every parent goes through this to some degree. Like, you know, you're a massive baseball fan, baseball fan, baseball fan, and your kid plays basketball at school. You're like, Oh, you know, I got right. all this baseball knowledge and Oh, what's this? <laughs> so, um, that I'm sure that happens to every parent no matter what the culture, um, mm. but uh, I feel like there are some major departures in all of our futures in terms of the paths that our kids go down. Yeah, I'm kind of expecting
1: it. My love of board games may not be passed on to my kid. Yeah. And uh, I'll shed a tear at some point, but I'll <laughs> understand. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I had kind of a sneaky way of getting chess in, which is, um, you know, kids... At very young ages, they respond to just a pure like black and white color juxtaposition or something. Mm. If I can just put a chessboard next to his bed or something and then say, oh, yeah, it's for color recognition. But really, (laughs) he's internalizing those 64 squares. He's getting it all just just locked up there. It's part of the the mental landscape at that point, you know. All right. Good luck with your brainwashing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you. I'll try my best. (laughs) Uh, that was my question for you. I do have a bit of Japanese as well. Oh, okay, laying on us. So very simple Japanese this week. Uh, it's a pair of words, and it revolves around the one kanji character in, like i in or you know e i-n, in Japanese in, and in technically means a type of institution. Or like uh, mm. could be a department or something. But mm-hmm. basically, yeah, think of it as an institution. So when you say new in, that is uh, the new is to enter something and to enter an institution. It means to be hospitalized. Mm. So new in is to be hospitalized. To leave the hospital is tai in. So mm. tai in leave the institution, new in, enter the institution, and um, you'll use these with your wife's upcoming stay. And uh, they're quite useful because you'll eventually have to talk to a doctor or nurse about something. And then you'll want to know about, you know, at the Mm. time that your wife leaves or at the time I need to drop her off when she goes in, you have some type of communication that will come up where you have to say new in or tie in. Uh, okay. coming or going that uh, the in always interested me because it doesn't mean hospital um, mm. but it, it just means like a, a more general and broad sort of organizational like an institutional thing but right. it's interesting that that happens in English a little bit as well because if you say someone mm. was institutionalized it doesn't mean they went to college although a college mm. is an institution but we say it was institutionalized it means he goes to like a long-term care facility right in particular in the U S for like a mental uh, sort of issue, but in the same way institution carries that sort of healthcare element in English, the word in or the kanji character in carries a very similar vibe in Japanese. It like does a lot of specific work for such a broad, like root word. Mm. And that kind of, uh, I love to see that kind of coincidence because obviously the languages are not related. It didn't come from one side and then get incorporated into the other. It's just that that sort of naturally happened in both languages at once. Hmm. That's the Japanese of the day. newing tai enter the hospital, leave the hospital. You sitting on any dad jokes?
1: I, oh, I've got some.
0: Okay. Do
1: Good. you have any? Good.
0: I've got just one.
1: I've got two. Let me start. Okay. And we'll, we can go back and forth. How do you know that Eastern Europeans love board games?
0: oh eastern europeans love board games i mean i want to say the word czech from the czech republic but that's a little bit chess specific uh, okay i don't know man because i have a checkmate who told me so oh there it is yep <laughs> yep i was knocking at the door <laughs> it's really close yeah i very thought you good. were gonna get that one very I nice appreciate that uh This one, it's a little bit of a story. It's not really a a question-answer type joke, but it goes like this. One person says, um, my wife said that she'll leave me if I take part in the upcoming chess tournament next week. And then his friend says, so what are you going to do? And he's like, I'll probably open with E4. (laughs) Anyway, that that touched my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs)
1: okay okay my last one is uh, similar uh, the police told me they'd throw me in jail next time they caught me stealing board games but that's a risk I'm willing to take
0: <laughs> oh that's good a risk I am willing to take okay I didn't get the second part for a second I'm, I'm there. Uh, that's good Nice. all right successful dad jokes Okay,
1: and that, uh, that draws us to a close today, I think. Thank you for listening today. We hope this week's episode was informative and interesting. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us either on Twitter at Podcast or by email at info at And we'll talk to you next time. See you later.